0: You hear it around the water cooler at work, or just in conversations at the local coffee shops. But even so, one of the most popular claims coming from the professorial lecterns today and the talking heads on the talk shows is that all religions say the same thing. But is this true? I mean, is this really, really true? Let's get real about the subject on... The whole idea of religious pluralism. And welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast. There is a common idea running around our culture today, and it's very popular. It's very popular in the university settings. It's very popular on the talking heads, as you heard in the opening. It's this whole idea of religious pluralism. Let me me give you an example. Let's say you're in a classroom, and you hear the professor say, well, you know, since there are different ways to get into this particular building, and you see that people are cutting their own path, so not everybody walks on the sidewalk, not everybody uh, walks... On the walkway, or some people go in some doors, other people go in another door, some people come in the back door. But you know, you end up at the same location. There are some others that will say, "Well, you know, um, you know, all religions do say the same thing. They just don't necessarily believe the way that you do. You narrow-minded fundamentalist bigot. Well, you know you don't have to take that. You don't have to take that at all. In fact, like I said, there's a common objection that there's pr- really pushing toward a one-world globalism, if you will, not chasing any conspiracies. I think it's pretty much a fact that you know people don't like exclusive people. People that don't. People don't like people who hold to religious exclusivity. But you know what? It still does not change the fact that religious pluralism is false. And this is what we want to talk about today. You know, religious pluralism is a situation characterized by a number of alternative religions and diverse perspectives on religion, with the resulting problem of adherence of each view have an attitude that they take toward other views. Now let me explain that just a little bit. First off, the whole idea of religious pluralization, or pluralization in general, pluralization is a mood in our culture along with secularization, where religious ideas, institutions, and interpretations have lost their social significance, and privatization, where there's a cleavage between the public and the private, or what I do in my public life has nothing to do with my private life type stuff. Pluralization, however, is this mood in the secular world, and it it, it, it touches religious pluralism, religious pluralism, where there are a competing number of worldviews, and the mood tells you, that no one worldview is dominant. And this is the whole nerve of religious pluralism today. Now, where is this claim correct? Wait a minute, Rob, you just told me it's wrong. You're telling me that there's something correct about it? Yes, I am. I want to tell you that, first thing, there's something that we, you and I need to remember. You know, while religion tries to teach certain fundamental things on how to get to certain ways of right behavior, right thinking, and right actions. That is the whole issue. We need to remember that those making the claim do not understand the world religions as well as they think they do. And they're making the claim out of ignorance. And as I just mentioned to you just a moment ago, I alluded to it. Let me zero in on this, if you will. All religions are superficially seeking the same thing. They're seeking right thinking, right feelings, and right actions. And thirdly, if we look at the world religions from their particular worldviews, we can see that there are some fundamental differences. So even though they have the common goal of looking to accomplish right thinking, right feeling, and right actions. They fundamentally go about it in different ways. Now, where is this claim of all religions saying the same thing? Where is it incorrect? Well, remember, we've talked about worldviews in the past, and let me just, by way of revisiting this for a moment, let's go through that definition again. That a worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed in either a story, a set of presuppositions, whether those assumptions may be true, partially true, or entirely false, which you and I hold consciously or subconsciously, consistently or inconsistently, about the basic constitution of reality that provides the foundations on which how you and I live and move and have our being. Now, when you really break it down, that you can look at three different views of God. You could say that God made all. You could say that God is all. Or you could say no God at all. And that there will give you the fundamental starting point of where this whole thing goes, because the people that do not understand world religions do not realize that Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, though they are monotheistic, they say fundamentally different things as far as things like God, salvation, and what happens after a person dies. Basically the four questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Where do I come from? Why am I here? Who am I? Where does morality come from and what's its starting point? And where does man's destiny after this life is over? Those are the fundamental questions evaluating what I had just summarized or defined for us as far as a worldview. So you can look at a God made all, God is all, or no God at all, or, if you really wanted to, you could throw in polytheism, which basically says that there are tons of gods out there. So, you can look at things like Hinduism, you can look at pagan religions or the classical, or you could even look at classical uh, Mormonism, for that matter, because they are polytheistic as well. So, when you look at the theistic uh, religions, like uh, the monotheistic religions that God made all, you're looking at Judaism, Christianity, and, and Islam in that historical order. That's right, in that historical order. When you talk about pantheism, that that God uh, is all, you could look at things like Hinduism, certain subsets of Buddhism, and even New Age movements that are out there. And Hinduism, basically, the New Age is basically Hinduism in a three-piece suit. If you look at Atheism. You could look at the Mahayana and Theravada schools of Buddhism. You could uh, look at secular humanism. You could look at atheism and different types of atheistic strains, if you will. And uh, as I just mentioned, you could look at the whole idea of um, polytheism, that God, uh, a God for all things, or a God uh, in all things, if you will, which is basically animism as well. Of course, we do have animism as well. I want to let you know that I have a worldview chart that I'm going to put on my Google Docs that I'm going to link to this uh, episode that will give you a whole idea on the basic breakdowns of the of the worldviews and different facets of each of the worldviews, ranging from atheism, deism, pantheism, and polytheism, which basically sums up a lot of things. I'm going to put that on uh, Google Docs so that you can have that, and I'll link it to this episode so that you can have that. Now, when we're talking about the monotheistic religions, we're saying that God is a moral, personal, infinite being who is holy, that man is created by God, and he's less than God because he's fallen in that nature. And, of course, when you talk about sin and you talk about needing redemption, this falls in line quite nicely in the fact that if you are a Muslim, you hold to the five pillars of Islam and the, and, the, and the fundamentals of the faith. If you're of the Jewish persuasion, you would hopefully obey the law of Moses. And then, you know, particularly the Ten Commandments or the 613, you know, the whole law, if you will. If you're a Christian... You are going to follow the great commandment after your redemption because you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then you are about going about fulfilling the great commission with meekness, truth, and love. So there are fundamental differences, even with this whole idea of Christian theism, the Judeo-Christian view of God and Islamic monotheism, because you're talking about a God that is knowable in in the Judeo-Christian view, and you talk in Islamic monotheism. Now, all will agree that God is personal, infinite, holy, loving, and just, and manifests himself, but the question then, how he manifests himself, the only view that is exclusive because Islamic monotheism and Judaism uh, hold to a monad the fact that in, in Judaism you have hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And in the, in the Shahada of, of Islam, he says, it says there, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his final prophet or his final messenger. Now, God does desire his creation to know him, and therefore he initiates personal relationships with man. Unlike Islamic monotheism, Christian theism is not fatalistic. Christian theism essentially is providential that God intervenes and he interacts with with the world that he has created and in the lives of men. God has infinite foreknowledge and hence superintends the creation allowing the free man to choose freely to do his will or even reject it. Yet God does not forfeit his sovereignty due to man's actions, good or bad. Well, Allah is one God, but he is not triune. A quick word about Islamic monotheism, because this is very important. Well, Allah is personal, or personality. There is no personal relationship between he and his creation. Allah, essentially, is a cosmic chess player, basically moving human pieces as he wills, And whatever happens, happens, and happens only by Shia Allah, by his will. There is only the need of willful obedience to the five pillars of Islam, and with necessity, having a hard time get that out, with necessity, the sixth pillar, which many of us call jihad. But unlike Christian monotheism, Allah forces submission to his created beings in order to get them to submit. A Muslim is one who submits. Islam does not mean peace. Islam means submission. So there you have that right there. Now when we talk about the pantheistic religions, basically this is kind of like the old adage of um, Shirley MacLaine with Oprah Winfrey talking about eating a hot fudge sundae. Oprah Winfrey was talking to Shirley MacLaine Shirley McLean was talking about the fact that everything is God, all is God. So she said, I'm God, I, my Oprah said, I'm God and I just don't know it. Shirley McLean says, yes. What about if I eat a hot fudge Sunday? is that God too? She said, yes. It's like God eating God. I, I was at the Stewart's in Albany, New York when we lived up there and I overheard a conversation between the manager and one of his uh, subordinate co-workers. And he was talking about this worldview. So I walked up to him as I was paying for my Mountain Dew, getting ready for a late night shift at Albany Med when I was working there. And I asked him, I said, sir, I couldn't help but overhear the conversation that you were having, that you believe that everything is God. Is that correct? Did I hear you correctly? He said, yes, I do. I said, so you're telling me if there's a cow out in the pasture, that cow is God, yes. And if the cow is eating grass, the grass that... The cow is eating as God, too? Yes. I said, the milk that the cow secretes, would you agree with me that that is God as well? He said, I would. I asked him, what about the cow patty? He said, well, I wouldn't go that far with it. I said, why not? I said, everything is God, and all I heard after that was basically crickets. But with regards to pantheism, God is all. Man does not exist But he is an illusion, basically a god in embryo. Matter does not exist. It is considered an illusion as well. That is known as Maya. And all is one, which is pantheism, and one is all, that's monism. And reincarnation and karma are essentially two non-negotiables in Hinduism. They are essentially non-negotiables in Buddhism and pursued in Western Hinduism through the New Age movements. Those are non-negotiables. When you talk about atheism, atheism means no god, ah, no, and theos. And basically what you have in some strands of Buddhism, as I mentioned earlier in our show today, the Mahayana and the Theravada schools of of Buddhism, they talk about this concept of ki, meaning oneness, where you are one, let's say, for example, you are with a, you have a bow and arrow in your hand, and you're shooting, uh, uh, trying to find the bullseye of the bullseye. Not just the bullseye, but the bullseye of the bullseye. You're going and you're aiming, and you're aiming. So you have to be one with the fletchings, you have to be one with the end of the arrow, you have to be one with the string, one with the bow, and then one with the target. And ultimately, one with the bullseye of the bullseye. Are you going to hit the bullseye every time? No, of course not. Well, of course... Of course, Buddhism has an escape hatch for that, if you were to really want to do that. Because at one point in time, I believe it was Ravi Zacharias who asked one of the Buddhist priests, a priestess, a lady who uh, had become a monk, and he asked her about the the Dalai Lama. And of course, when you're trying to look at uh, the, the teachings of Buddhism, Buddhism teaches that you're trying to extract yourself from all desire. Well, Ravi asked the question, if the Dalai Lama desires the liberation of Tibet, how does he justify that with his Buddhism? And she said to him, he just chooses to desire. Well, where's his salvation with regards to that? If he's trying to eradicate desire in Buddhism, what is it about Buddhism that has him wanting to desire the liberation of Tibet? I'll tell you, it's our human nature. When you think of polytheism, you look at polytheism from the perspective that there are many gods. You have poly meaning many and theism meaning gods. God may be personal but not eternal. There was a time when that god was not a god. Man can attain godhood through spiritual evolution of works, and matter, again, like pantheism, is eternal, And salvation is also through a work system. So you have this with Mormonism, you have this with animism, you have this with some of the pagan religions out there. The question then, you might be thinking, since I just mentioned it, I want to go and speak to that, the question of Mormonism. Is it polytheistic? And I believe it is. God, being personal and not eternal, there was a time when God, quote-unquote, became God. They don't teach this, they don't admit this, but the Adam-God doctrine is still alive and well in the Mormon church. And what that means is that man can attain godhood through spiritual evolution of keeping uh, the, the word of wisdom, keeping the commandments, not uh, drinking, not smoking, tithing to the Mormon church, and so on and so forth. So it is. There's the old Lorenzo Snow couplet that I've talked to Mormon missionaries on. And it says something like this, As man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may become. So there you have it right there with Mormonism, with one of the uh, former LDS presidents, Lorenzo Snow, saying that very thing, that man can become a god. Now, how do we approach this whole idea of understanding and evaluating a worldview? Because every religion has a foundational worldview. As I mentioned, that God created all, that's monotheism. That God is all, that's pantheism. God, no God at all is atheism. And God, um, God is all, God made all, and, and no God at all, atheism. So, And of course, polytheism. Well, there's four major questions that are available to us that we can use to evaluate a worldview. Question of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. I want to break these down a little bit so that you and I can um, do this, and then what I want to do is I'll close our show with an illustration. Okay, so when I talk about origin, I talk about origin from the perspective of where do I come from? Is man created, is man created in the image and likeness of God, or is man going through a samsaric cycle of karma, or is our existence accidental, or... Um, You know, when you look at these questions, they don't fly too well with reality because, you know, if the professor from the professorial lectern is saying all religions say the same thing right then and there, the question of origin is problematic. The question of meaning of why am I here or who am I or what is the purpose for my existence, depending on which religion one embraces, life can have meaning and purpose when it is glorifying God in a personal relationship or they can live uh, the life is relative to what you make it. And then there are also philosophical dilemmas that fly in the face of that as well, trying to fill the void of meaningful existences. When you look at the question of morality, what is the origin of right and wrong? What is the foundational source for the, an ethical framework? You know, when you look at Christianity and Judaism, they say that morals are absolute rooted in the nature of God. And that's something that we agree with our, or with our Muslim friends. However, the only question with monotheistic religions is which God, because of the God of the Old Testament and New Testament, is not the same as the God of Islam. So how are morals then started pointing? What is the outworking of the punishment for disobeying the moral law of God? And of course, then the fourth question is destiny. Where do, do we where do we go when this life is over? Where are you going to go when this life is over? You know, the Christian worldview has answers. But, you know, when you look at some of the other answers that are out there, before I get to the Christian answer, you know, every religion has what is known as a post-mortem survival dogma. In other words, what happens after this life? Is this life it? Do we go through annihilation? Do we... Uh, go through a transmigration of the soul? Is there a time of punishment? Is there a time of purging of sin? I mean, what is the whole idea? Well, the Christian answer, the Christian answer is pretty simple. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're guaranteed heaven. And I mean, I'm not just talking about this is just a ticket to get in. I mean, obviously, you need to live out the Christian life become a follower of Jesus and follow Him and discipleship, and, and learn from his word, and get into some good teaching, and some good discipleship. But, you know, there is this whole idea that this life is not over. Every religion, including even pagan religions, believe in a life uh, afterwards, as far as the, the immortal soul. You know, with Christianity, it's heaven for the righteous, or hell and hell for those who reject the Lord Jesus— Judaism differs in their attempt to keep the law and the prophets perfectly, which they'll never be able to do. Islam says that paradise is, is for all who do Allah's will, and hell for the infidel and those who fail to keep Allah's laws. Hinduism and Buddhism talk about uh, transmigration of the soul, one toward an impersonal deity, uh, which is moksha in Hinduism, and Brahman. Uh, The other one is nirvana, which is exploding into the impersonal deity. Now, when you talk about this whole thing from a worldview perspective, worldview-wise, there are a plethora of problems to claim that all religions say the same thing. Folks, not all religions answer the questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny in the same way. The problem is that your worldview is going to have to be coherent in order to be able be able to answer these questions in a coherent way. So when I do this, when I give talks like this, you know, it's very important that we understand origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Folks, also, none of the religious books say the same thing either. You know, when you look at the Bible and you talk about Jesus Christ dying on a cross, the Quran rejects that. The Quran says that Jesus did not die. And and, and in fact, um, in Surah 4, 156 through 159, it says this, and I quote, they said in boast, we killed Jesus Christ, the son of Mary, messenger of Allah, but they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was made to appear to them, and those who differed therein are full of doubts with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow. For... Of a surety, they killed him not. Now, is the Quran is the only, this is the only surahs or the ayahs of this particular surah where it says that Jesus did not die. But if you go to other parts where it talks about the people of the book, the people of the gospel, there's a conflict with the Quran. You know, if all these religions said the same thing, where are the similarities? Again, all religions pursue right thinking, right feeling, and right actions keeping some kind of a moral law. Let's imagine that we're skiers. Let's imagine that you and I are skiers, and let's assume that we hold to this presupposition, that God is at the top of the mountain, and religious paths, all religious paths, or all religious slopes on that mountain lead to the same God. I've, do- I've done this illustration with somebody, and she, this person who worked for a bank when I was in the car business she was rather incredulous after I explained it to her that the bunny slope does not go all the way to the top. The beginner slope doesn't go all the way to the top. The intermediate slope doesn't go all the way to the top. And even some expert slopes do not go all the way to the top. You have to be a super trooper skier in order to be able to get all the way to the top. But if you, let's say that you and I were standing at the top of the mountain and we were looking down, would we be able to see the bunny slope? Well, no. Would we be able to see the intermediate or beginner slopes? No, we wouldn't. Would we be able to see even some expert slopes? No. Where would we have to go in order to be able to see all the slopes in the mountain? We would have to be above the mountain. Folks, there's only one being that's above the mountain, and that is God. Here's another illustration. If you took all the religious leaders, if you took all the religious leaders, and you take Buddhism, Buddha out of Buddhism, you take Muhammad out of Islam, you take the gurus out of Hinduism, you take Moses' law and prophets out of, out of Judaism, you would still have a moral law code. The only one that would survive would be Judaism because it has others as well as the prophets and is rich in history. But if you took Islam, Muhammad, the Buddha out of, out of Buddhism, and, and the gurus out of Hinduism, and if you took even Joseph Smith and Brigham Young out of Mormonism, somebody would come up with a crazy hair-brained religion. They're all, they're all like that. There's tons of cults out there. Somebody would come and by and be able to create those other religions. But if you take Christ out of Christianity or Christ out of Christian, you're left with Ian. C H R I S T OUT I A N. You are left with Ian. And friends, Ian cannot help you. Will you not consider Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? You've been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. We've been talking about religious pluralism and how religions do not say the same thing. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for indulging me in this 30 minutes. Please, if you have any questions, please email those questions to realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. I'd love to dialogue with you on these questions and these answers and any answer any other question that you may have regarding this subject, or any other subject that might be bothering you. Perhaps it'll be a show that we can go and deal with on that so that everybody can be able to get an answer, the same answer that I would be giving you. If you do have any questions, please get in touch with us. I beg you. But more importantly, I'm going over maybe just a little bit because this is a very important thing that I want to share with you. Folks, our culture is going sideways. And there's only... One answer that will be able to bring peace to your life, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got a, a movement out there that's got no solutions. All they do is want their way. They are anti-American, anti-capitalistic. They are only particular to a, a religious, ethnic persuasion. And then not only that, they're smuggling in ideologies that have not worked in Western civilization. You've got other people out there that are trying to go and say that if we go and obey Allah, that that'll make America great. I'm sorry, it won't. If maybe atheism, just throw God out of culture, we're looking like we're doing that right now with everything that's going on. Folks, we can't do that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the scripture says that you will be saved. That means redeemed, made right with God. That's in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I want to let you know that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. That's a loose application of John 3:16, please feel free to contact us with questions, even about that. Stop living in your religious spiritual anarchy, and pursue the truth of Christianity. You will not be disappointed. Until next week, this is Rob Lundberg from the Let's Get Real podcast and the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry. Thank you for listening to our show today. And we'll be back with you next week. I believe next week we're going to talk about why do I need God? That's going to be a very important subject that we're going to deal with next week, Lord willing. So we'll be back with you next week. Again, if you go out, talk to people, be gentle, be respectful, see them as people who are created in the image and likeness of God. But more importantly, go out and give them heaven. God bless